somebody uh, reported that uh, by the time uh, a student is, uh, graduates from high school, they've spent about 15,120 hours in study. Around 15,120 hours in studying to understand a wide variety of subjects of things that people say are going to be uh, most necessary for their success in life. And then if they go on to college, it's been estimated that they'll spend another 1,920 hours uh, in, in, in college courses and classes, hours in particular subjects in order to uh, specialize in certain areas in order to be successful. And then uh, by the end of their uh, time in school, if they go to graduate school, um, and this is the end of their formal education, um, there are still many things that they have, learned, they have never learned and been taught. Uh, but in, in, when you put all that together, you have about 17,000 hours of study in class time. Now, in that 17,000 hours out of a person's life, time that you will never, ever get back. Because <laughs> that's one thing we have to understand, that each minute, every second, every hour that goes by, is time that you will never get back. That is why it is very important, as it says in Ephesians, to redeem the time, for the time is evil. And it would behoove a Christian to spend his time trying to find out what it is uh, that would please God. Uh, that's a, what a Christian's life should be devoted to trying to find what would please God. So you're talking about 19,000 hours out of someone's life, and there's still a vast majority of things that they still uh, were not taught, and they still have to learn. So I want to take just a few moments out this evening, especially for my young people here. I want to I want to share uh, with you, and it's not just the young people, because it's something we can all grasp, grasp uh, something from. I want to talk to you just for a few moments about some things that they're just absolutely not going to teach you in school. Some things that they're not going to teach you in school. And because they're not going to teach you these things in school, that's what makes it even more important for you to be in worship. So important for you to be in Bible class. So important for you to be part of a lot of the fellowship opportunities that the local congregation has because it's those things that are being taught uh, that, that are being taught and made part of your faith foundation that will go on uh, with you for life. So I'm just going to suggest some things this evening uh, that, that, they're not, that they won't teach you in school, but God is certainly uh, endeavoring to make sure you know. The first of those um, particular topics, one of them is you can be rich without money can be rich without money. Now school, everything in school, and to a certain extent, everything is driven toward getting money. It's telling you that yeah, the measure of success will be money. Maybe you've known some people who tell you that it's all about money. But scripture tells you that uh, man's life is not in clothes, not in all the material things. Life is more than that. If we go to Proverbs chapter 23, uh, verse 4. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 23, Verse 4. And when you get there, Nico, go ahead and 
read that for me. And you have to remember now, this is in the midst of a very materialistic society that we live in. And everything in our society uh, is pushing and driving young people to think and people in general to think that it's about getting money. It's about what you have uh, and not realizing that a, a, a fool and his money are soon part of uh, So the thing is, Proverbs 23, verse 4, it tells us something. What's it say? Do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding for the seats. Do not work, and notice it, do not overwork. Do not labor to be rich. Go to Matthew chapter 23. Uh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 19, verse 23, Nico. So uh, it's saying they're not going to teach you in school that you can be rich without money. See, they're going to teach you that you need money in order to be rich. But they're talking about a they're talking about a a a a a, a worldly type of rich. They're not talking about spiritual riches. Bible says in Matthew chapter 19, verse 23. Go ahead and read. Then Jesus said to his disciples, For surely I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. All right, so we see already that that, that we should not, uh, it said don't overwork in order to be rich, right? Now notice what it says, scripture, and some of your translations don't overwork. That goes to that whole thing about, uh, uh, you know, some of us, you know, we uh, do all we can to get as many hours and all that stuff as we can. And sometimes some of us are dancing jig when we hear about overtime. But remember now, when you get that overtime, remember we just talked about, you're not going to get that time back. Now you may use it to gain money, which you're going to soon be separated from. But the time that you invested, you can't put a price tag on. Right? So you have to you have to bear that in mind. Because see, it links to, see, if you're overworking for money, out here, because many uh, can't make it to worship, can't do these things because I'm working, doing all this, kind of trying to get this money, uh, forgetting who makes the money. But then also, uh, like it says there in, in Matthew 19, 23, remember that the rich man, the rich have a problem. It's difficult for them to enter into heaven. Now, is it difficult for them to enter into heaven because they're rich? No. It's difficult for them to enter into heaven because they have started to trust money. They've started to trust their material. Let's go over to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 21, where we see a warning uh, from the Lord, and it says, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. They're not going to teach you in our schools today that it's more important to be rich toward God, to be rich spiritually. So, so the thing is, so you can be rich without money. Well, how can I do that, by, Brother Johnson? By making sure that I am rich toward God. Spirits and make sure I am laying up things, laying in store for myself in heaven, rather than down here where moth and rust can destroy. If we go over to 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verse 9, the Bible says that, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Now, again, is it, is it a sin to be rich? No. But it is, it is a sin. It is a sin to, to, to desire to be rich. 
your desire to be rich is so, so, uh, so deep and, and, and so, um, and it, uh, it consumes every aspect of your life that it blinds you from the way of God. When you start to trust it rather than to trust uh, what God has provided. And we've seen that in the parable where, uh, we've seen that in that parable where the man has made all this, has had all this extra grain. And he says, what do I do because my barns are too small? He says, I know what I'll do. I'll build a bigger barn. But it was at that moment that God called him and it was time for him to go. Right? It doesn't matter how much you get on this side of life. When it's time to go, what you have will be left here. Right? And if you don't have heirs or if you haven't taken care of your business, that's going to go to Uncle Sam too. <laughs> the book of Ecclesiastes will tell you all about it. You can get gain all your life. But when your life, when he calls you, then think, who does all this money go to? Because it's going to go to somebody. Right? So it'd be better that you become rich toward God where nothing on earth can reach to take that from you. You lay by in store for yourself on high. Now, the question is, go to Proverbs 13, verse 7. You've got to ask yourself a question. Is being rich my goal? Is it being rich my goal? Because if I'm just striving constantly to be rich, I'm, I'm making life way more difficult for myself than what I need to. In Proverbs 13, verse 7, what does it say? There is one who makes himself rich, yet he has nothing. And one who makes himself poor yet has great riches. See that? Notice what it says there. When you read that, read it again, uh, Nico. There's one who makes himself rich. Stop. One who makes himself rich. Who has given his time and energy and efforts to making himself rich. But in God's sight, that man has what? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. But then there is one who makes himself one who makes himself poor, but yet has riches. So that means that's one who has lowered themselves. That man has everything. Huh? Uh, uh, you, you talk to some people who talk to some people who are constantly trying to uh, maintain riches and lay up and all that. They, they they have this certain amount of money they have to make every year. They have to do all this. They got to constantly, constantly be on the grind, constantly doing all this stuff, trying to lay up a future for themselves, not realizing that the future is in God's hand. And and, and you and you 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 have no real control over what's going to happen tomorrow. Let's say you are able to amass that. Let's say you are able to amass that certain amount of money. Well, who says you're going to live to spend it? Matter of fact, who says you're going to be healthy enough to enjoy it? You got to think about that. So in school, they're not going to tell you that. They're going to say, oh, no, 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 that, that's, where your, that's where your security comes from and all that. But it is, impossible, it, it is possible to have all types of riches but not have a big bank. <clears throat> See, it, 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 it's a different thing when you start to make withdrawals from your father's account. When you start to live according to his riches, that's a whole other life altogether. And you wouldn't believe how much stress that takes off of you when you start to live according to his riches because his riches are inexhaustible. Right? Part, part of the stress we, 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 we find ourselves in is because I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I don't see how, I don't see how. Well, that's why God has a thing called providence. 
and there's things that he has provided. And if you listen and live within uh, the means and within uh, the guidelines that he's given you as a steward, that you will meet everything that you need to meet and then some because he knows all that you need. Right? And we need to start teaching our young people this particular fact that it's not just about money. Right? Especially around this time of year where, you know, they're trying to make sure they got what everybody else has and all that just to make sure, and they start to line it up and equate it with their self-esteem and self-worth. If you don't have what they have, then for some, I'm an outcast. Right? So we need to start to teach them that now that it's important to be rich before God. Let's go to Revelation 2, verse 9. Uh, and we read in Revelation 2, verse 9. It says, uh, I know your works, tribulation, and poverty, but he says, you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Now, uh, he was talking about a church, he was talking about a congregation, if you will, that was materially poor, but it was rich toward God, right? Uh, uh, so when you become rich toward God, there's a certain type of freedom you will experience. You ever hear people talk about financial freedom? Huh? And, and the funny thing about that is when they talk about being financially free, uh, uh, they talk about as if I have nothing to pay. You, you'll be paying something. <laughs> you're going to pay money on something. Because to me, if you tell me you're financially free, that means you're not putting money out on anything. That you're just able to keep all that money, right? Which then you had another problem. Called being a, a, a miser. So the thing is, so you say, what is financial freedom? Well, I don't have this bill and that bill. But you're going to still have some bills. There's some stuff you're going to have to pay, whether it be insurance or whatever you got stuff to pay. Right? So, so the thing is, the focus is, let me put God first, and then God will make sure I have everything that I need to, uh, to make it through this life. And I can do it without uh, all of the, the, the stress that I'm going to put myself through. Let me focus and try to be spiritually poor, I mean, uh, spiritually rich, uh, and then let God take care of the rest. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, 6, verse 10, uh, Paul, it says that Paul, when we read that, Paul made many people rich. And the way he made them rich, uh, it says, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing all things. You know how he made many rich? By teaching them the gospel. By becoming Christians. When you become a Christian, you become rich. You are already rich. And you are rich beyond compare, actually. Because you have everything. But as long as you have Jesus, you have more than, than, than anything on this earth. But it's when we get distracted, right? Like we talked about in the nursing home today. God lets trials come to help us to get focused and to test us so we can keep our ears open, not be distracted, keep listening as he prepares us for the journey. See, if we just keep listening to God and not listening to all of these other folks, stop and, and, and live according to his standard of wealth rather than their standard of wealth, we can live a truly free life. Right? Because I know there's books on top of books about how to be free. Right? But do those same books tell you how to be spiritually free? How to be free from sin? How to get you out of the clutches of Satan? I guarantee they don't. 
And there's no amount of money you can pay that'll break you away from Satan. You need Jesus for that. Right? And so, so then, and that's something that they're not going to teach our children uh, in school. We've got to teach our children that. We've got to teach them that at home. We've got to teach them that, that at home, that they don't need money in order to be rich. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, it says uh, that, it, it says there, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now and at last in your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Right? He gave, Paul gave people something that, that no money could compare for. And you know what they did? In turn, they took care of them. Now, was it them taking care of them? No, it was God taking care of them. Taking care of them. See? So the thing is, uh, 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 and, and when Jesus came, Jesus came from heaven, that who? When he came, he made himself poor, but for whose benefit? Ours. He made himself poor so that we could be rich. Right? He left uh, 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 and treasures and all those types of things just to give us a chance to be rich. And no, we're not talking about the biggest house, the biggest car, any of that. We're talking about being spiritually rich. When the last time you sat and talked to your children about how to be spiritually rich toward God? When the last time you pulled somebody aside? Let me show you how to build not a tax shelter, but a heavenly shelter. How to build for that day. That's what we need to be doing with, with, with our young people. Um, and, and James chapter 2 verse 5 tells us plainly that if we're going to be rich, we ought to be rich in faith. So you can be rich without money by being rich in faith and in trusting in God's resources. Now, uh, the next thing you see there, so the first thing is, uh, we want to teach our children that they can be uh, rich without money. Now, don't, don't have them run around thinking, well, I don't have to get money, you know? God will provide you money to take care of your needs, right? Because you don't want to get a flip-flop where you can make a whole lot of money all your lifetime uh, 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 and, and end up glorifying yourself rather than God. And they would just say, gain the whole world, lose yourself. Right? So teach our children that they can be rich without money, but then also tell them this, that the way up is down. They're not going to teach them that at school. The way up is down. Now, what do I mean by that? If you look in the scriptures there, see, uh, and maybe you know some people like this at work. Do you know anybody at work or at school who they, uh, no matter what they have to do, they will step on, climb on, uh, kick over anybody they have to in order to gain position, right? And they will teach that to your children. They'll teach that it's dog eat dog, and you gotta, you gotta sell it. You gotta, you know, you gotta get it before they get it. You gotta hustle. You gotta put yourself out there. That's what they'll teach. No matter who it is, you gotta step on, step over, get them because you gotta get it, right? But what we have to teach our children is you don't have to play that game in order to get. What God wants you to do. You don't have to do it at all. Uh, matter of fact, uh, we go to the scripture there in Matthew chapter 23, verse 12. Bible tells us plainly that whoever humbles himself will be exalted. To put it plainly. Uh, and there are those people, the people who, and, and when you see the people doing this at work, 
right? These people who want to succeed no matter what. These people uh, who want to step on a few hands, who want this self-assurance that comes with money. You know what you need to do? You got to pray for them. You got to pray for them, and then you got to show them the way through your example. Because they are slaves to materialism, slaves to, uh, to, to progress. They're, they're slaves. So instead of you getting caught in the rat race with them, pray for them, but live the example of spiritual freedom before them. Right? So we got to teach our children that. And, and, and the thing is, uh, oftentimes, but people say, well, if you want to get noticed by the boss, you got to put yourself in front of the boss. Well, Proverbs 138, verse 6 tells us. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. You see that? See that? You want to get noticed by the boss. You said, you know, if people tell you, you know, you got to sell yourself, you got to put yourself out there. No, the way you do it is that God, he, God respects the lowly. He sees them. Right? His face is against the proud. Right? Uh, matter of fact, Pro uh, Proverbs 16, verse 9, the Bible tells us that a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So God is well acquainted with the humble, and to be humble means to be low-lined. It's to be the opposite of pride. So you don't have to sit around and posture. Anybody ever seen that before? Uh, you could be having a conversation with somebody, right? You could be having a conversation with them. And then the balls turn the corner, and all of a sudden, the feathers come out. They're like this. <laughs> you know, posture, and act like they're so busy, and they're saying all kind of crazy stuff and all that, trying to get noticed. And who wants to do all that? Uh, chest get out, and chin come in. Yeah, I was just saying the other day. I was never, never, yeah. You know, you know well, they, were, they were sitting and talking about the story just 30 seconds ago. <laughs> In the wall, turn the corner. Hey, you got those reports? I'll get those to you right away. You know? That's posturing. Because, if, because see, if, if, if the boss was to catch them with that mask on and then hold them accountable to that mask and demand the work that they're putting the front on for, they'd go crazy. Right? So we, God's people don't have to do that. We don't have to put on this show. Right? You know why? Because the Bible tells us that pride defiles them. All you need to do is remain humble. Remain humble, right? And you know when you're dealing with people who are proud because you know what they do? They think they're better than everybody else. Go to Luke chapter 18. Uh, go to Luke chapter 18. Uh, and you see the story of the, 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 the Pharisee and the tax collector. Until you make sure that you put a star next to that one. Put a star next to it so that uh, your parents can go back and, and, and share that and hold that with you to teach you what pride is and what humility is in that text. Now, and see the blessings come, according to Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, blessings come to those who are poor in spirit. And the Bible warns all the way through about those who are prideful. So what won't they teach in school? They won't teach my, my children that you can be rich without money. And they won't teach you that the way up is by going low. See, remember, it was pride that brought Satan love. Huh? And Satan will use, he will use your own arrogance to catch you up every time. So if you want to be exalted, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. 
See, when you catch yourself obsessing over this position or that raise or whatever it is, at that moment, take your attention off of it. Re, re, refocus your attention on God and say, God, you know what I need. You know what I stand in need of, and you know what's best for me. And Lord, I'm going to trust you to reveal and to place me where you want me to be. And Lord, I'm going to go without complaint. See, when, when God sends you and you go with complaint, that's saying something about your pride and your arrogance. When you go kicking and complaining, you're still too prideful. Right? Which means God's going to have to allow you some things. You're going to have to go through some things in order for God to get that out of you. Mm -hmm. huh? You want to know when you're being boastful? You want to know when you're being arrogant? You know, when you're being ungrateful with God has blessed you, but you pick the blessing apart. Right? So teach the children that, that if they want to be lifted up, lower themselves to the ground. Don't go crowding in front of people and, and trying to do all of that politicking and all, you don't have to do that. You just work. Glorify God in your work and God will make sure. Right? The next thing they won't teach our children in school, but we've got to teach them, is that we, we've got to teach them that you are strong when you're weak. That's when you are at your strongest point. You be at your strongest point when you are weak, right? And see, so you got to understand, God doesn't see, uh, the world says look out for number, number one, number one. You've got to look out for your own back all the time. But God doesn't see it that way. The Bible tells us something in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, and in needs. Right? Right? It's because I have learned to trust the strength of God. Does that make sense anybody? If, if you keep listening to the world, the world will have you, the world will have you in between four and five different jobs. With no rest. With no rest, nothing to eat, and no time to enjoy the fruits of the labor that you have put forth. And you'll become a slave to that labor. You'll become a slave to the job, a slave to those things. Right? What good is it to amass it but can't enjoy it? At some point, you've got to trust the strength of God. And notice what he's saying. You're looking at the situation like, Lord, Lord, I don't know how I'll get through this. I don't know how to. He says, my grace is sufficient. What's in my grace? See, you, you say, but Lord, you're just saying grace. You're not telling me specifically. He says, step out on faith and you'll see what's in my grace for this situation. Yeah, but, but see, because we don't step out on faith, we don't find out. Right? So, so the thing is, so the thing is, the, uh, uh, Choose God's and then in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, you have to remember this, that but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God that has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. So listen, when you go, so I'm telling you that, so that when you go telling all your financially savvy friends and all those people, business people, and they're saying what you're doing is foolish, you're saying thanks. 
because God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the so-called wise. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, where is the debater of this age? God in his most foolish of moments will confound the most wise of men. Right? So we're not living according to the word. Right? And so then the next thing we got to uh, help our children to understand that the schools won't teach them is that you have to cry in order to be happy. You have to cry. There's times when you have to cry in order to be happy. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? Okay, now, what does the world say? The world teaches automatically that anything that's going to cause discomfort or pain, get away from it. Right? But all pain is not negative. There is pain, there is strain that is beneficial. Right? But the world, and the flesh would have you believe that if it's not a party, then I don't want it. And, and, and think about the disproportionate amount of money that people spend on entertainment, on escapism. And I think you guys heard that in Nico's Thou Shall Not Smoke Weed lesson. When he talked about how people go after whether it be weed, whatever it is, it's a, they're trying to purchase a form of escape. And it's temporary. Right? They're trying to purchase this form of escape and it's not, it's not going to last. And the other thing about it is this. The world will never want you to be introspective. Who encourages you in the world to be introspective? To take a serious look at yourself. To be serious about what you see and make some serious changes. The world would rather say, everybody got something. Don't worry about it. Go ahead about your business. It's going to be all right. No, 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 no. When, I, when, it, when we're saying you have to cry in order to be truly happy, what that's saying is, matter of fact, you go to Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 4. It, 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 takes a, it, takes a wise, it takes a wise person to stop and ponder mistakes. See, I, I'm trying to get my children to, uh, and, and uh, uh, Shine, give me Psalm 126. So, so what I, what I, we ought to be trying to get our children to understand that that every that every um, every time you don't come in when you fail to come in first, that's not a time to cry and whine and say I quit. No, what it really is is an opportunity to learn. When you don't get that job, when you don't get that promotion, when you whatever it is, when you don't get those. That's not the time to say God must be working against you. That is a teachable moment. That's a moment to sit down and, and examine the process. Figure out what you were supposed to learn from it. And then apply the lessons that you learned in order to do it better. See? What do you hear people do? Well, people sometimes they say, well, you know what? You ain't get the job, cool. Well, you know what? What time is it? You know, it's happy hour anyway. We're going to drink the blues away. People don't say that? We can drown the blues. We can do all that. No, no, I don't want to drown my blues. No, I don't want, I don't want to drown them. I don't want to smoke them away. I don't want, I don't want to. I, Lord, 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 don't move the mountain. Huh? Lead a mountain there. Huh? Just show me the strength that you've given me to climb. 
sit down and study, because somewhere in here I was off. And I gotta learn something about it. So let me go back here and examine it. See, that's the serious part about it. They're not gonna teach them that. You know why I know you know how I know they're not gonna teach them that in school? Because in school, it takes a, 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 a T-ball game takes 12 hours. <laughs> Did anybody been to a little league T-ball? <laughs> they never strike out. They will be swinging forever. Instead of teaching the children, we got three strikes. <laughs> yeah. After that, work, work, work on your technique. Right? Or oh, 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 you see that commercial with the man when he walked into the car with his son? And he's like, hold on. We won. Why did we get the same trophy as everyone else? <laughs> this is a problem. He was like, no, 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 no. He, he tore off those legs and said, Wait, here you go, champ. You see this? Because the thing is, that's life, right? So you got to teach them that uh, there are certain inequities in life. But to not be tripped up by the inequities because you belong to the great equalizer who sets everything right. So all you got to do is learn from the mistake. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, what's it say? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. comforted. See that? Blessed are those who mourn, right? Who mourn for sin. Who mourn for the sin of their lives, sin of the world. They will be comforted. What will they be comforted with? They'll be comforted. He says we find comfort in the scriptures. Right? So when I sit back and look at my situation and how I went wrong. See, I need you, because it's not, it's not... Uh, psychologically healthy for you to sit and marinate and play the same record over and over again. Huh? When you look at mistakes that you made, like you go back and you look at the situation and you gotta look at it, right? You reframe it. You refocus that board. Put God's word on it and let him comfort you because he, what he's going to teach you once you open up. See, because maybe you needed to lose in order to be humble enough, to be receptive enough, so he can get you far, far enough. Right? It took you to lose in order to hear. It took you not to get in order to, to, to truly receive. Right? So then when I get knocked back, let me open up and listen. Because what he's about to teach me will comfort me, and, and it's going to comfort those parts of me. Oh, I'm just not used to losing. Or I'm just not used to getting less than the best marks ever. We got people who, if they get a, they get a, a lower mark than what they think, they will fall apart. But who are you? Everybody can learn, right? So, and teach your children. There, there's always space to learn. And just because you receive some criticism, don't always take it personally. Don't take it to heart and make it negative. Examine it. Look at it and say, what, is, what can I learn out of this? Take what you can learn and disregard the rest. Does that make sense? Just you can be comforted by God's word instead of being pressed out. Because you know what happened? When that negative situation happens, Satan jumps in and he starts to work behind that. And then when he does, he tries to press you down in order to keep you down. No, that doesn't work. No, no, no. You got to tune in to God. Uh, uh, in Psalm uh, 120, uh, over there, in Psalm 126, over there, uh, 
That's 126 verses 5 and 6. Read it for me, Cheyenne. They that, that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing the sheaves with him. We, read, we, can, we, we can reap a harvest in our tears. Huh? You know, because we're not so we're not so quick to examine and to take care of business when we're when we're when we're happy go lucky and all that kind of stuff. We we gotta be we have to be sober. So sometimes it, it, you know it's good to just take a moment and to focus and to really look at the situation and say, where's this lesson here? Right? And then once you get the lesson and receive the comfort, then you can be happy. Because God now has set you free and moved you to that next level. Does that make sense? Huh? We don't have to fall out all the time. Huh? Be willing to learn. And we talked about that today at, at, at the senior with the senior citizens when we were looking at over there in James, and they had to talk about trials and tests when they come. And what we, we, we learned about that is you need to look at your trials. Look at the trials in your life as your only personal weight training program. That's what you got to look at it at. Because what we, what, we, what we learn with them, we learn this, that, see, God knows uh, the distance between earth and heaven. And God knows where you are on earth. Meaning, like we said today, he knows where you are physically, but he also knows where you are spiritually. And he knows exactly what it's going to take to get you from where you are to where he is. So you know what God does? For each and every person, he puts together a, a weight training program. Something that's going to challenge their muscles. It's going to challenge their body. And he lets those trials come. And it's never more than you can bear. But it will cause you to flex muscles that you haven't used before. It's going to make you sore. But through the soreness, you'll get stronger. And see, your program and my program will be different. Although they'll both be called trials, your weight program and my weight be different. Because what it might take for you might not take the same for me. But what is he doing? He's preparing us. And we, we, we talked about that today. When these things come, he's, he, he's, he's trying to build endurance in us because it's a long journey. And he's trying to build our, he's trying to test the love. The love will keep us focused and listening to him. Because he's trying to get us somewhere. He need, I need you to listen to me and not be distracted. Right? So, so, so instead of running and, and, and being so messed up, just simply say, no, this is my chance to, 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 to look, look at these mistakes as opportunities to learn. Rather than using the mistakes as things to beat yourself about the head and neck over and over again. Because how many times do you apologize for the thing that you've done? The beautiful thing about God, you only had to apologize to him once. And he took it away. Now, can you stop abusing yourself? Huh? And let him set you free. It's just like that. So, so that's, that's some stuff that they're not going to teach our children in school. Right? And they're surely not going to teach our children how to get to heaven and how to become a Christian. They're not going to teach them that they must hear, uh, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized for mission of sins and add to the body, which is his church, and it's the only way to be saved. They're not going to teach them, Christians, not going to teach Christians 
They're going to teach Christians that you're a good person, so everything's fine. They're not going to teach you about being godly. And being godly is going to God and saying, Father, I sinned against heaven and earth. Father, please forgive me. Right? They're not going to teach you to believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And unless you believe that, you will die. And die in your sins where he is, you cannot live. So if you want to become a Christian, you have an opportunity. Just come on to the Lord and let him uh, change your life for the better. And don't run from the struggles. Don't run from the, don't run from the strain because he's preparing you. He's getting you there. Come be rich without money.